Listen to the word of the Lord. Ruth chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, I need to seek some security for you, so that it may be well with you. Now here is our kinsman Boaz, with whose young woman you have been working. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Now wash and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. She said to her, All that you tell me I will do. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When they came together, the Lord made her conceive, and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without next of kin, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. The woman of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the father of David. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks for bearing with me as I slowly walk over. All right. To truly understand what is going on in these few Bible verses from Ruth, I think it is important to have a little context as to what is happening within the story. In the beginning, the father-in-law of Ruth has already passed away, and not long after, Ruth's husband and brother-in-laws also pass. This leaves Naomi with no family and only has her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. Naomi then sets out to find a land where the Lord has been graceful and given food. However, she urges both Ruth and Orpah to each return to their mother's house. Both of them initially reject this, but eventually Orpah gives in, leaving only Ruth and Naomi. This part of the story always confused me, but after looking into it more deeply, I realized it shows the different mentalities of each of the women. I didn't understand why Ruth would not simply follow Naomi's instructions. Naomi was an older woman. She even says at one point that she is too old to have a child. So, Ruth would have just been waiting around aimlessly, with no direction as to what to do. Orpah wasn't faulted for leaving, so why couldn't Ruth have also left? The story continues on, and we find ourselves at the first excerpt from Scripture, where Naomi is telling Ruth how to proceed with Boaz, a relative of Naomi's late husband. In my experience with this scripture, there is room for a lot of interpretation on how to understand the word of God. In speaking with people, I have known about Ruth over the past few years, and many seem to share the same concern. They express that Ruth's story sets a bad example for how women should be treated in relationships. Viewing this scripture through a certain lens might cause people to believe that, and I think it's a valid concern. However, I try to remove this perspective when reading not because it is invalid, but because it clouds and biases the true meaning of the scripture. Ruth is a beautiful piece of scripture and should be empowering, not just for women, but for men as well. 
Ruth is a book of love. Now, I'm sure many of you are wondering, is a 17-year-old, soon-to-be 18-year-old, really going to preach to me about love? The answer is yes, I am. I think that my perspective, though perhaps a bit naive because of my youth, can be helpful. Ruth is not a passage about love for Boaz. I think Ruth definitely grows into her love for Boaz, and I'm not trying to discount their love for each other. But I think her true love is shown for Naomi. Ruth says, all that you tell me I will do. Now Ruth does not say this to Boaz. She says it to Naomi. Naomi, the one who won't be able to find a husband. Naomi, the one who is likely too old to have a child. Naomi, the one who can't do much for Ruth now. Ruth, as I said earlier, has every right to leave Naomi, to go back to her mother's house, as Orpah did. There were no hard feelings toward Orpah. Ruth and Naomi both understood. But Ruth stayed. She chose to stay. I find myself asking, why did she? The conclusion my mind keeps coming back to is love. I'm sure you've almost all heard the saying, love makes you do crazy things. But I would argue, love inspired by God lets you do amazing things. Naomi prioritized loving those around her. Orpah prioritized loving herself. But Ruth? Ruth prioritized love. She allowed the Holy Spirit to work through her and guide her to the right path. Why else would she have stayed with Naomi? Why else would she have allowed herself to grow into a relationship with Boaz, to bear one of his children? Why else, if not for love? Ruth shows us what true love and true loyalty looks like. She chooses to stay, not for herself, but for Naomi, and thus for the Lord. She shows her selflessness. When Naomi commands her, she follows her words. It's not that she has to, but instead that she chooses to. This provides an interesting analogy, though not a perfect one, so bear with me. Obviously, this parallels our relationship with God. We all choose to follow Him. However, contrastingly, we also choose to stray away many times. Ruth chooses to love Naomi, even though she knew the risks and the challenges. Their relationship became fruitful. We all know the risks of loving God. It can bring hatred from others, even cruelty. It can lead to less fun in the moment, but in the end, it will be fruitful. Over the summer, I read the autobiography of Tara Westover called Educated. It's an excellent and eye-opening story that I honestly think should be required reading. Tara illustrates her childhood in an arguably extremist Mormon family and shares the unbelievable things that she experienced. She faces abuse and toxicity from many of her family members, and her relationships suffered. But throughout all of it, Tara showed forgiveness and compassion towards her loved ones. Even after she left the Mormon community and her fa family, she was able to show love to the people she began to form new connections with. This is, this is an extreme example, but a valuable one. On a more personal level, I'm often reminded to choose love in my life with my siblings. I'm sure many of you know Meadow and Trent sitting up there. Um, and they oftentimes drive me insane. Every, for a long time, every interaction with them, I had a struggle to remain calm. In the past, I've lashed out, but I find that that doesn't do any of us any good. More recently, I would hope they agree with me, I've gotten better about it. 
And I've discovered that our relationship is better because of it. We make these choices in loving those around us. And I urge all of you to keep making those choices. Don't allow your relationships with others to take a backseat. Prioritize love in your life. It might be tempting at times to place all your focus on school or on work, but at the end of the day, these things don't matter. It is challenging to choose love at times, I know, but push through. Because when things come crashing down, and oftentimes they do, all that you have is your relationship with God and your relationships with others that you choose to love. Remember, love inspired by God lets you do amazing things. Thank you. The next reading is from Psalms 127. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the guard keeps watch in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives sleep to his beloved. Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Sunnyside. Today, I wanted to start off by sharing a story of when I tried to build a boat. Now, this boat ended up being named the SS Sinker, and the name fit it very well. We tried to put it together with some old boards, duct tape, and crayons to make it waterproof. The SS Sinker didn't float for very long, but it did give me a little bit of experience in building different things. When you are trying to build a house, you take great time and care to make the house exactly how you want it. If you are trying to build a house without God, then no matter how much that house costs or with how much care you built it, it won't stand as firmly as you did if you built it with God being alongside you. Without God, your house wouldn't hold as well, and the same thing goes with guarding a city. The watchmen are required to actually guard it, but without God and his blessings, the city will never truly be guarded. It is possible for things to slip past the watchman's eyes, but not past God's. These would be great words to put on the entrance of your homes because we can always be reminded that God is always there, watching over us and helping us every step of the way. Part of this passage is talking about how people can rise up early and doing so, their hard work and anxiety can show that they have more reliance on themselves instead of God. They aren't trusting that God will help them get everything done that they need to get done. The children that... These people have our gift from God to help get all of their work done. They are given to good men who God knows will be able to educate them and give them the lives that they deserve. These children are shaped by God in many different ways. God makes them so they can be guided and formed, 
that they must be given care or their path could be crooked. Every child only has one chance to do the best that they can in their lives, and like an arrow, are only launched once. This passage is comparing the children to arrows, and when a man has a full quiver, it is a blessing. But everyone's quiver might not be the same size. Sometimes it can mean having a lot of kids, but other times it can only be a few. A man's life isn't measured on how many children he has. Finally, the arrows or children can, be, can protect the warrior. So if a man has had children, they can protect him. Maybe not just against physical threats, but also against loneliness and abandonment in society. Things done without God might not be done well, but if you do everything throughout your life with God, he will reward you with good. There might have been a few different reasons why my boat didn't float, and could have been that we relied too much on the cranes and duct tape. Instead, we should have been relying on God and his good work to help us build something that could float for longer than a few seconds. 